coming up in this episode of Finding Common Ground. If you went to a neighborhood, a white neighborhood, they threw rocks at you, you went, white folks didn't come to black neighborhood. The Jewish people, I like to say, uh, is a people around an idea. We're not a race. There are actually many races. I think that's like the most important part of what I'm about to do, is keeping an open mind. You know, I was doing my thing, and I looked over, and she was sitting down on one of the walls crying. And I was like, wow. There are two sides to every coin. How do we deal with racial issues when they affect relationships? Finding common ground on all those issues that we come against. There's black and there's white. And I think as Christians, we have to learn how to get together because we're not in heaven. I've met more interesting people just by God just bringing them in. Republicans and Democrats. But a lot of times, when it comes to race, and it comes to culture, and it comes to perception, even as Christians, we don't always understand. We look at it through our lenses. There's Bill. I grew up in a suburb of Cleveland called Parma. Uh, Any the, black people in Parma? There was not one. Not one black person, not Bill? Not one. Come not on, Bill, one. you got to have one, a nope. token black person, a token And there's Odell. I grew up in Charleston, South Carolina, public housing, single mom, divorced single mom with four kids, and I came up through segregation and all that kind of stuff. If a black person drove through the town, the police would stop and escort them out. Bill and Odell are finding common ground. A part of what we have to do is listen to each other, find the common ground, and question, not questioning you like you're on a witness stand, but questioning you for a better understanding. Father God, you know, as we continue to deal with this book that I'm working with that deals a lot of, with our ancestors, I just think of a lot of their stories that was never told. and. God, I just thank you for using me as the vessel who can make sure that their struggles and their situations are remembered. So I want to close this prayer in the words of our enslaved ancestors, God. You know what I done, Yafa? I ain't got to tell you. Amen. 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 Dear Holy Father, just thank you for bringing the Ben Gideon family into my family's life and, and how much they've enriched our friendship, our relationship, and our understanding of the Jewish community. Uh, thank you for letting me share a trip with the rabbi and in uh, a group of other people to go to Israel that was life-changing. Um, we lift up Lena as she goes on her excursion and, and adventure. And uh, quite frankly, I'm, I'm jealous that she's been able to do this. Lord, keep her safe. Let her learn. Let her in interact with all these other folks. Amen. Amen. God, our, our creator who created all of us, and we sometimes have a hard time remembering that uh, we all have the same, the same uh, common beginning. Help us to remember that always and to act with that knowledge. Um, each and every day. And since I'm her father, I can say, and and protect Lena on her journey. And she <laughs> have a, a deep and meaningful experience um, in the coming months. Um, I'd say um, thank you, God, for bringing people into my life who are 
going to be supportive of me, my family, my friends, and my family's friends. Um, and I feel you know, blessed and grateful to have this opportunity. And I hope that I am given the strength to you know, take every opportunity that I can. Amen. Amen. Odell, how you doing, buddy? I got a, I got a question for the rabbi. I got a question for the rabbi, Bill. Odell, yeah. What's going on? Is Sammy Davis Jr. I know he's black and I know he was Jewish. Help me with that, rabbi. Help me with that. Ah, uh, well, I don't want to presume what I'm helping you with. So what is it that I'm helping you with here? How does black folk convert to being Jewish like Sammy Davis Jr. did in okay. that time? Yeah, no problem. Uh, I thought that was maybe where you were going, but I wanted to not assume I knew what you, were, you wanted me to address. So, you know, the, the Jewish people, I like to say, uh, is a people around an idea. We're not a race. We are actually many races. Uh, people, if you only know Jews from your experience of the Jews you know in North America, then it's likely you might only know Jews who have their ancestry uh, traced back to Central or Eastern Europe. But uh, as you know, Odell, having been in Israel and Bill as well, um, and other places, that there are Jews from all over the world, and they look like... Uh, every different race. Uh, I have a friend who it traces his roots back to India. He's a rabbi now in the Boston area. Um, we have Jews in Africa. We have Jews in North Africa, Persia, you know, and that uh, very diverse blend of, of colors and shades and tones, which is one of the things that makes the diversity of the Jewish people so beautiful and powerful to me. But um, I believe Sammy Davis Jr. did convert to Judaism here um, in America. And, you know, there are uh, plenty of people who do and from all different backgrounds. So it's a kind of a wonderful um, thing when someone finds their, their home uh, in the Jewish people. And uh, we say they're kind of returning home because they were, you know, they were born looking for something and uh, we're glad that they found it with us. Wow. Thank you so much. And the reason I asked that, I've been to your point, I've been to Israel four times and I went with a bunch of pastors and rabbis and stuff. Ah, that wasn't that wasn't the best time. When you go <laughs> on an interfaith trip, man, people talk about you open yourself up to understanding. And that's what I'm so excited about. You know, the trip that Lena, if I say it wrong, I apologize. Lena is a part of because it opened my whole understanding of people. I came from the South. We knew Baptist churches and all that. I came from a time where I'm not proud of it, is like white people hated black people, black people hated white people. If you went through a neighborhood, a white neighborhood, they threw rocks at you, you went in a black, well, black, white folks didn't come in the black neighborhood. You know, I didn't even have an idea that Jewish people weren't white. I just didn't know. And you don't know, you don't know. But once you learn, and I start learning, I immediately have my kids go to any town because once I got exposed, I wanted my children to be exposed. And that made all the difference in the world. And now I, I'm just so amazed that the bias, the prejudice and stereotypes that you have 
that you hold on to, that you learn on grandma's porch, once you get exposed to something different, then you usually change one stock because you're like, that wasn't, that, that wasn't true. That's not, that's, that's not true. And then when you go to Israel and you go through what I call the Holocaust Museum, and I'm sure it's the better name for it. What's the, what's the correct name for it, Rabbi? Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem. And that. then when you go to the coattail, um, you know, before I knew better, I used to call it the Wailing Wall. And it's like, no, 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 Odell, don't call it the Wailing Wall. Call it the... So once you know better, you do better. So I'm excited to hear about everything that she's going to do because I know how it changed my life. The whole diversity, the whole understanding, the whole learning from others, that changed my life, guys. It literally changed my life. And it changed my children's life because once I knew, I exposed them to something different. And I'm sure it's going to change my grandkids' life. So, Bill, I'm excited about today's show because I think one of our listeners' lives are going to be changed, too, because a lot of times we don't get to understand. We keep ourselves in a bubble and we talk to people who think like us and talk back like us. So, literally, we're just talking to ourselves, my friend. Yeah, yeah, I agree, you know. Uh, when uh, the rabbi and I were having dinner last night with our board of youth in North Carolina, we were talking about Lena going to Israel, and I I just started asking a couple questions, and then uh, the rabbi shared with me some of the, some of the things, and I said, "Holy cow, we need to get Lena on 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 here." And 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 I, what I want to do for our guests that are listening, she's gonna she has a set of lenses she has now going over to Israel, and she's gonna spend a number of I think months. Is it a month? It's four months. Four months uh, there, and I'm going to let her explain it. And she's going to come back with a different set of lenses. And so I want to. I, I think what we want to do is get her lens today, and then when she returns, let her catch her breath, and then have her on the podcast again to sh say, "Okay, here's what I thought." And she also said she's going to keep a journal. And uh, do you journal, Odell? Man, I failed the third and the fourth grade. You know, I didn't do no journal. I was going through school segregation. I told you, they, hey, it was a whole nother deal. So, no, I don't keep a journal, sir, or a diary. I don't, I, I don't even keep good time, Bill. I was late to the podcast today. Uh, I love you, man. That's great. Well, Lena, come on and introduce yourself and uh, introduce Abba, your father. <laughs> okay, that's a, like, large task. Um <laughs> But hi, everyone. Um, my name is Lena Ben-Gideon. Um, I am 20 years old, and I am a junior at Brandeis University, which is right outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, I'm studying uh, public health, and I also am studying philosophy and studio art. Um, wow. Yeah, lots of like a wide range of things. Yes. Um, I've been to Israel twice. So you have me beat, um, and this will be my third time going back. Well, you're catching up. Yeah, <laughs> and I haven't been back in four years. Yeah, before so, COVID. Yeah, before COVID. so it'll be it'll have been quite a while. Um, and the program that I was on was with my school, and this will be very different from that. Um, so I leave February first, um, and I'll travel down um to the kibbutz and primarily spend all my time there i don't really plan on 
I plan on trying to be as present as possible there. Mm -hmm. And uh, the uh, kibbutz, tell us about that and the name of the trip and all that. Yeah, so the kibbutz is called Kibbutz Keturah, and it was actually founded by a bunch of American Jews um, that are part of the youth movement Young Judea, um, and they, in like the 80s, 70s, 70s and 80s, yeah. 70s, um, they decided they wanted to come to Israel and found a kibbutz in the desert, um, and they're kind of like the modern day pioneers because there are a bunch of pioneers that came to Israel in, you know, before the founding of the state to develop these kibbutzim. Um, and they wanted to do the same thing. Um, and then in the nineties, they wanted to kind of expand what they were doing to cover, you know, sustainability because they kind of had to like rough it out for mm -hmm. a while because um, they were trying to farm and, you know, build and, you know, be prosperous in the desert where that's not super easy. Um, so I think they kind of reevaluated what they were doing and decided that they should, you know, capitalize on their, their knowledge that they have, like, amassed so far about living in the desert um, and share it with others. And I think that's kind of how this program that I'm going on started. Um, and it's the program is based on the idea that environmental problems transcend borders. So there are a lot of issues with water in the Middle East, and they don't pay attention to whatever borders um, are, are there. So Israel, Jordan, Egypt, Syria, Lebanon, they're all experiencing like similar issues, and they all have to cooperate with each other to to all survive um, during this time. Okay. So the idea is we bring, they bring together a third um, Israeli, a third Arab, so that could be Jordanian um, or from the West Bank or Gaza, um, and then a third from international places. So how many, how many students will there be? Um, I think it averages around like 45. Wow. I think. And, and before you go any further, Rabbi, why don't you explain uh, what a kibbutz is? Some people might not know what that is. Ah, so a kibbutz is a form of collective living. They started in the very late um, 19th century, early 20th century, and it was a way for uh, Jews who were going to Israel, uh, the land of Israel at the time, uh, or the and what was called Palestine also, to uh, to create a a farm together, so they would get a piece of property. They would buy it often from whoever uh, was the landowner, and then they would uh, settle. It was often the worst piece of land that was what was for sale, and they would they would go and they would um, establish a little community as mostly late you know teenagers and in their early twenties and then start to learn how to farm. And almost none of them had ever farmed before. So they were all learning um, the hard way wow. in the beginning. And they uh, gave them a way to settle the land, that they were, to be a part of it, and to uh, grow their own food and to kind of be kind of back to the, kind of back to the earth kind of movement. So um, 
the kibbutz was the uh, was a big, a huge institution in the first decades. Well, in the decades before um, the Israeli independence in 1948, and in the de- first decades of the country until at least through the 60s, um, the, the kibbutz was like a, a very strong institution throughout Israel. Uh, since then, as it's become more of a modern capitalist society, those kibbutzes have had to find new ways to uh, exist in the world, uh, often with some farming, but also with some industry of some sort. It could be the uh, could be the the travel industry where they have hotels. It could be um, anything from uh, irrigation, like some of the drip irrigation systems that are sold all over the world are made on kibbutzes. There's a kibbutz that specializes in uh, sanctuary furniture. And all the furniture actually in our sanctuary comes from that kibbutz. Wow. Um, and there are some that focus on education. And the the Arava Institute does a little bit of uh, both. And when I actually was there in the 90s, um, I didn't tell Lena this before, but uh, and we, did, uh, we stayed there. We were doing hiking in, uh, in, this, in the desert around and had a great guide. Uh, and this was back in the 90s when I hadn't, or, you know, the world hadn't caught on to yoga quite as in a popular way. And he, our guide had us doing different yoga poses and different rocks and stuff like that. It was a little, at the time felt a little out there, but today we feel <laughs> kind of like very mainstream. Uh, but it was about, you know, being in touch with the natural world and kind of seeing how it works and understanding it. Wow. Good explanation. Odell? Yeah, Rabbi, how do you feel? We understand you're a rabbi and you're over so many. How do you feel about your baby girl going from a dad's perspective? How do you feel about this? Uh, well, you know, some people in America might ask, oh, are you worried that she's going to Israel? Because when a lot of Americans, when they see the news from Israel, it's, you know, they see the, they see some sort of uh, demonstration or some violence or something. But uh, we feel very secure um, in her going. It's it's a very safe place to be. In fact, uh, it, your chance of being hurt in Israel is much lower than your chance of being hurt here. So we feel very secure in that. And I, we're very excited because, as you were saying, Odell, and as Bill has said before, right, the experience that we have when we are together with people from um, different groups and different perspectives doesn't just change us it changes our family and just even just the three of us right like the friendships that we've formed and how they've impacted my whole family for sure so i'm looking forward to what lena brings home and to those experiences what she shares with us and perhaps who we get to meet someday you know through this as well very good Uh, lena what what expectations do you have going in here um I'm trying to go in with as little, um, like as few expectations as possible. Um, but I expect that it will be very challenging, um, both, you know, academically because it's a rigorous, you know, academic program and environmental studies is not my focus at school, um, but it will be here. Um, but also emotionally, um, because a lot of the, a lot of the week or a portion of it is dedicated to this dialogue and these conversations and it's mandatory for everyone to participate in. 
uh, together. Um, and I, I imagine that there'll be a lot of heated or maybe not heated, I don't know, combination of conversations and processing that everyone does. Um, and so I'm trying to go in with as few expectations so that just so that I, I can keep an open mind. I think that's like the most important part of what I'm about to do is keeping an open mind. Um, and of course I'm a little nervous. <laughs> of course. Um, just cause coming from an international perspective, I feel is different than, you know, coming from the, a third Israeli and a third Arab mm -hmm. populations that are coming to this program, just because, you know, these populations have lived experiences that I don't necessarily have. Um, and it kind of feels a little weird to, you know, be part of a conversation that I'm not directly like living in. Um, yet I still feel like I have a stake in. Um, so I just want to be as open as possible. I don't if really you, know what's going to happen. If you had friends that were from Palestine or the, it, it, no, so no. this would all be new stuff for you. Yeah. Yeah. Like completely new. And I, I'm really excited about it's, it's always something I've wanted to experience, but I didn't really know how. Um, and so I'm excited that this is kind of all in like one package. Mm -hmm. I've never really had super close Israeli friends. Um, I've definitely had a lot more. I've had more interaction um, with Israelis and they're great, um, but not like, you know, deep conversations about their views and stuff. Wow, that's that's good. Wow, that's a that's a lot there, Odell. What do you think? Should you let her go? Well, you know, well the the whole thing when I went to Masada and and I know and went to a lot of kibbutz and just the whole understanding it was just amazing to me. But the whole thing is that you start listening to people and understanding that we have more in common than we don't, and it's like okay. For me, I didn't automatically put up a barrier to protect me from other people's thoughts. No, I let it all in. I let it all in. Because imagine, Bill, how hard it is being a good-looking, slim and trim black guy in Israel, right? Now, I know yeah. they have Ethiopian, Ethiopian Jews and stuff like that. But just a good-looking, slim and trim black guy, that's enough pressure by itself, Rabbi. So I just sat there and took it all in. And it was a safe place. And the good thing about the program that we went with is Greensboro Jewish Federation. It was Marilyn Chandler. It was a safe place. You could literally, it was no judgment zone, for lack of a better term. And I just, I'm telling you, it changed my life. It just changed my life because I went with the open mind. Not so open that my brain fell out. I still have my thoughts, but it's like, okay, wow, now I understand. Now I understand. And you ask questions, not question someone like they're in a witness stand, but questioning for better understanding. Amen. Amen. You know what I enjoyed about the trip and a uh, uh, little digress here, but when we would visit a kibbutz or we'd visit some, some, some place, we'd be on the bus and anyone could go up to the microphone and share an experience they had. Uh, like my wife shared an experience she had at Magdala, which was still being dug in uh, on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it was an amazing experience. I, in fact, I was walking, you know, I was doing my thing and I looked over and she was sitting down on one of the walls crying. And I was like, wow, Magdala must have really impressed her. So once she, she got done, she went on the bus and she shared with him what caused her to do that. And it was 
Uh, and I think Israel does this to people. I don't. I think it's a special place in the world that people become, if they let themselves, become very vulnerable. And uh, but anyhow, her her thing was uh, the tour guide that we were told was from Greensboro, or one of the ladies from Greensboro uh, <clears throat> said, uh, "I know you." And Dory goes, you know, thinking, "Okay, where does she know me from?" You know, our church or Boy Scouts or something. And she, they couldn't place it. And then she goes. I know I saw you on Facebook and Cindy Mandela was needing a kidney. And uh, I was praying that uh, if it was supposed to be me, that I would get involved. But then God told me, no, there's somebody else. And it was my wife that gave the kidney. She met this lady in Israel at Magdalene. She just broke down and I still get teary eyed on it. You know, I, Alina, I think I, I, as you were talking about the experience coming up and with the different people, I think it would be cool if we did a podcast while you're there mm -hmm. with maybe, you know, a couple like different people, because you could zoom in, we could do, you know, I wouldn't do more than three yourself plus two more. Uh, and, uh, and then we could get a, a viewpoint from each of them uh, what's going on. So maybe about halfway through. That'd be uh, really cool. Yeah. And we'll, we can zoom you. Yeah. What do you think? I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. I feel like everyone who's going to be on this program is going to be very open to having these conversations and so I feel like they'd be really, they'd be into that. <laughs> okay. Well, there you go. You got, that's your homework assignment when you yeah. go to the, the uh, rabbi, you want to add something? You've been thinking about stuff with your, your little baby going. You know, one of the things about Israel that's interesting is that uh, geographically it's a crossroads and historically it's a crossroads as well. So it's, it's a crossroads throughout history, right? Cause you have um, it, it gets conquered by uh, the Egyptian uh, empire, or it gets the Sy Assyrians, or the Babylonians, or the Greeks, or the Persians, or the Romans, back and forth, back and forth. Everybody is kind of going through this place. So there's a lot of, there's a history of tremendous diversity um, in terms of the crossroads peoples. And also because of where it is at the very um, eastern end of the Mediterranean uh, Ocean, right? And it's uh, a connecting point between Africa and Asia and in Northern Europe. So species also go through there. Mm. Right? So you have a tremendous amount of diversity. Actually, people who like to watch birds are not my thing, like people who are birders, they uh, love to uh, go there because there's so many different species that will go through um, at different times. Wow. Um, but then, mm. as you know, also, just geographically, the, ge the geography of it is incredibly diverse, mm -hmm. right? Because it's, um, You've got mountains, you've got uh, desert, you've got places that feel tropical almost, you've got the, the ocean and the beach. So it's, uh, it, I think that's one of the things that uh, whatever tradition you come from makes it special is that there are all these different pieces and pieces of history, pieces of different people, pieces of geography that all, all are right there. Yeah, you're right. You know, when we were on our tour, we had a tour guide, his name was Izzy, mm -hmm. and Izzy was great. And uh, I remember I standing next to him one time, and we were someplace and i said izzy what happened here in this location he goes what century because <laughs> it you can go back yeah it's so far that it, it just depends and uh so it is rich now tell us the name spell the name of the kibbutz because i guess they can go on our guests could go yeah. online and yeah so okay. it's called kibbutz ketura so that's spelled k-e-t-u-r-a spelling is not my like strong point okay. yeah 
not my forte, but it's pretty phonetic. Um, but yeah, they have, you know, they'll have a whole website about the program. Um, if you look it up, it's, it's well known in Israel and within the Jewish community. Okay. Give it one more time, but slower. Cause I know there's people probably driving around going, Oh, I want to write that down. So, okay. Okay, get ready. Get your pens out. (laughs) The name of the kibbutz or the name of the program? Let's do the kibbutz and then the program. Okay. So the program is located on kibbutz. How do I spell kibbutz? K-I-B-B-U-T-Z. Very good. Keturah. K-E-R-K-E-T-R-U-A. K-E-T-U-R-A. Oh, see? See, that's okay. (laughs) That's okay. I'm terrible spelling too, so. And then the program is called, or the institute is called the Arava Institute, which is spelled A-R-A-V-A Institute. And that's in a in an area called? The Arava. Yeah, which is south of Jerusalem. Yeah, toward... so it's the desert area in the south that kind of holds both, very, very south, that has both parts of Jordan in it and parts of israel wow down near Elat, which i've never been to so i'm very excited to go to the desert gonna rough it out yeah it'd be hot yeah what time of the year is this you're going next month yeah so it's still like relatively cool i think so i think it won't be the hot hot time of the year it's like in wisconsin in the summer where i used i go to i used to go to summer camp in uh wisconsin where it would get you'd change like five times during the day because it'd be really cold in the morning, then it'd heat up, get really hot, you want to change again, and then it cools down at night. Um, I feel like it'll be similar-ish to that. I don't know. That's good. We'll yeah, you can think of like um, Red Rocks in uh, outside of Denver or like Sedona, uh, kind of that Red Rock-ish like desert landscape. Uh, but it's also got the ocean uh, right there because mm-hmm. you go down to lots and you have... Um, the best snorkeling and oh wow amazing stuff well it sounds great maybe we need to go and check this place out yeah, what do you think yeah. Odell, what do you think buddy you know i want to I see you with know. a snorkel <laughs> hey listen 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 I'm, you know they say black folk don't swim but i do swim so we'll go from there but rabbi quick question for you you know i haven't been keeping up with it the way i should what's the relationship now between Israel, Palestine, uh, everything's going on on the borders. Because it's interesting, this program is going on in spite of and because of, and that's the beauty. That's the beauty of the whole thing. What's the latest in relations there? So let's locate the kibbutz itself, which is just north of Eilat. I think maybe forty miles or so, like sixty kilometers, and is on the border with Jordan. So uh, before I think twenty. 14 or so they actually had a gate through the uh the uh through the fence that was on the border and they would go back and forth because they've uh, established relationships with uh different communities on the other side of uh, of the border in jordan and uh, so that border is incredibly peaceful and it has been for for quite some time since 19 well actually before that but since the peace treaty was signed in 1994 um for sure and, uh, you know, I think we've been experiencing a, a changing worldview a little bit here about the situation where uh, we keep hoping that there'll be a development 
uh, between uh, the peoples who occupy the land between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean Ocean, the land, you know, the state of Israel, um, and the other territories that, uh, if if there's success, one day perhaps will be um, the country called Palestine. Um, but we keep waiting for that, you know, somehow to to come to fruition and for there to be progress on that. Um, in the meantime, we certainly can support and uh, really give uh, amplification to uh, grassroots effort grassroots efforts uh, throughout uh, the area and the region to bring different uh, peoples together, right? Because that's mm. you know it's hard to institute it from the top down, but if we can start growing it from the bottom up, then the politics will take care of themselves. So th this is one of those efforts. There are no, there are many efforts um, that don't get much press here in America, but you can look them up online. Things like Seeds for P Seeds of Peace, and there's a school school system called Yad Biyad, um, which if you want, we can get those things so you can put them in the, in the notes of the, of the podcast. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, all kinds of efforts that are really working to build uh, understanding and relationship, just like this uh, this program, right? Because uh, not to use your tagline, but certainly uh, the idea of this program is that by working together on sustainability issues and environmental issues, that the different peoples can find common ground together, literally on the same ground, and find a way to uh, to live together um, in blessing. They're not, not out of tolerance, but out of, of blessing that they see the strength and the beauty of being uh, together. And how that uh, makes them all Boy, stronger. It's something we can uh, really look forward to. It's, in fact, Lena, you're going to Jordan. You said, yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah. So, my boyfriend, who is also at Brandeis, um, is he studies both Hebrew and Arabic and politics. Um, so right now he's in uh, Amman, the capital of Jordan, um, for a couple months, also studying abroad. And so I'm going before my program starts to visit him in Amman, which I've, I've never been to an Arab speaking country. Um, I've never been to a country by myself without my parents besides besides Israel. Um, so it's it's going to be a really interesting experience. And I think it'll be really fascinating to go right before I start this experience and that you know, I already am trying to be as open as possible and just absorb. So I think maybe it'll be like a nice, I don't know, precursor just to just to be there and absorb culture um, and have that appreciation going in. And then I hope maybe to revisit these places once I'm done with the program or midway through and see how maybe my appreciation or understanding changes over time. That's great. Now, are you going to Jordan after or before? Before. Before. So how long will you be in Jordan? I'll be there for like a little under a week. Okay. In uh, all in Amman? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. The big city. Yeah. It's huge. I did not know this. Yeah. I like don't city. know anything about the region. <laughs> and if it were not for my boyfriend, I don't think I would have this like excitement and appreciation, which I think is helping me go into the this program with this open of a of a mindset that's great that's great the uh i'd be curious too to see how many jewish people and if there's a jewish community in jordan 
Um, they're not. There is probably not, not many, huh? Yeah. No, because um, originally, if we go back to 1917, uh, what we call the country of Jordan today and the state of Israel and all the other territories, that was all part of the uh, Palestinian mandate, right? That the British had. The British had, and uh, they quit. So of that whole mandate, they quickly split off uh, the the uh, eastern uh, bank of the Jordan River and formed the country of Trans the sorry the Hashemite Kingdom of Transjordan, yeah. which is a whole story on its own. Uh, but uh, so that's there aren't really uh, any Jews there that I'm aware of. Yeah, whereas there were Jews in pretty much every other country throughout the the Middle East, um, not so much in Saudi Arabia, but, um, <laughs> yeah, there's not, yeah, the, the, yeah, there's a, that's a whole nother story, Saudi Arabia. Yeah. yeah. The, uh, <clears throat> you know, the only place in the world that, uh, didn't have girls and boy Scouts was Saudi Arabia and the United States. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up until recently we changed so it. So interesting. Yeah. So we, anyway, I didn't, I don't know if that's the company you want to keep. <laughs> Not on that issue. No, no. Odell, help me out here, buddy. No problem, sir. Um, Rabbi, is it called Golan Heights or Galon Heights? Uh, Golan. Okay. Yeah. Golan Heights. I remember going there and the emphasis on why that was so strategic to keep under control it's, it's amazing that the the land there, we call it the Holy Land, um, it's just amazing all the different cultures, traditions, customs. When we went to the coattail on several occasions on Friday night, and that's doing, I want to say Shabbat, but you know, I'm, I'm probably going to get it wrong. Is that, okay. Beautiful. Okay. So it, it's just amazing the different type of Jewish traditions. And I only could figure it out by the hats, beautiful hats, beautiful hats, or <laughs> the the facial hair. Um, since I'm bald-headed, you know, my afro's gone, you know, is is what it is. Mm -hmm. But that whole the coats, everything, but it's it's subtle, it's subtle differences that one may or may not recognize. But everyone was so nice when I went to the wall to pray and put my prayer in the cracks of the wall and everything else. But one thing I one thing I did notice though, on mm -hmm. one side of the wall is for females and the other side of the walls is for males. And yeah. that was interesting. That whole dynamics there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, interesting. Definitely interesting. It's a good word. <laughs> you know that wasn't how it was before uh, 1967. So that's a a recent a recent uh, phenomena, which is that the uh, rabbi, <clears throat> the organization that's been in charge of supervising that um, area in front of the wall, treats it as if it's a a synagogue, and uh, they are coming from a very orthodox or nearly like kind of fundamentalist jewish perspective which still has very stark roles based on your sex right men have one rule one role and women have a different role and so when you go to that part of the the what we call the kotel or the the wall the western wall 
um, it is divided, right? There's a much larger section for men and there's a smaller section for women. Um, and, uh, but down, if you go to the, the right a little bit, a little bit uh, to the, um, to the north, you can uh, go down on this nice platform where we have a, an egalitarian section and uh, where men and women can be together and families can be together mm -hmm. um, as well. But, you know, that's part of our diversity. It's part of the, the challenge that we have and um, trying to, you know, navigate those differences both within the Jewish people and uh, between the Jewish people and the rest of the world. Yeah. You know, I found interesting when I saw that, uh, I wasn't aware that there was that until you just explained it, but I, I, I did see the difference and they had a, it was a little wooden wall, maybe yep. six foot tall. And uh, I noticed that the women had taken all the benches and pushed them up against that wooden wall mm -hmm. and would stand on them and look and watch their men. Uh, and, uh, and I don't know, I, I don't know if it was out of curiosity or just keeping an eye on them, mm. but, uh, but, you know, I thought, I found that, uh, just an observation that was interesting. You know, I didn't have yeah. a judgment either way. I just said, that's pretty cool. You know, the, the women want to check out their men. There's certainly no other women there, so they don't have yeah. to worry about that. <laughs> and, well, that's their only way to participate. So they, it's, ah, is that how it is? Okay. Um, depending on where their community is coming from. Okay. Um, it's to, to participate in public prayer. They have to basically, do so through the experience of the men's okay. prayer group, but not as equal participants, as kind of rider, riders along and observers. Okay. Um, so, which is, uh, you know, sadly why in most of those kind of communities, not, not like really centrist or liberal Orthodox, but in, most of these Orthodox communities, women, not many women actually go to synagogue. Mm. Um, they're taking care of the home and the kids and um, and uh, probably putting their feet up for a minute, maybe when their husbands are out at, at the synagogue. Yeah. Um, you know, the uh, yeah synagogue was ma mainly male way back when it was yeah. where the men went. Yeah. The, even when they did offerings, it was the man that would take in the offering and give it to the priest. Oh, for going all the way back? Yeah. Um, well, you know, we, we don't really know, right? We know that um, there was a a specific area in the temple designated. Well, I shouldn't even say the temple because this is, you know, second temple. So uh, we know maybe what happened at the end of the period, but we don't know what was happening before. You know, that. Yeah. yeah, like 700, 800 BCE. Yeah. We have no idea. Um, but there was a woman's section um, and... I think we're pretty confident, at least historically speaking, that women participated to some degree and women had to make certain offerings. So, hmm. um, you know, the way that you would mark the transition from one part of life to another, whether it was because you had wronged someone and you needed to get forgiveness or uh, because of something in your physical life, whatever, the way you marked that transition often was with some sort of offering at the temple. So no, women would definitely uh, need to bring offerings uh, to the temple as well. And would they go through a ritual bath as well? If they went into the temple? Oh, to the, the mikvah? Yeah. Yeah. They have to do that. Absolutely. Okay. That's, that's interesting. I'm learning. I'm learning a lot of stuff here. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's, it made me think about women uh, not sharing the temple or even the uh, wailing wall. 
you know, back in the, uh, when the West was one, they would take covered wagons out West. And, uh, uh, it, it reminded me that, you know, the man had leadership in the temple and all that. And the women came along, but the women did not ride, drive the wagons. Mm-hmm. Primarily it was the men yeah. and the women sat next to them. So it was kind of, they came along and then an independent woman would do her own wagon. Mm. And that was pretty unusual, pretty unusual for a woman to run a wagon, you know, and they thought, you know, the women was fair, fair sex. She didn't have the strength or all that. She's, you know, it's one of those stereotypes that people have about women well you know we've thought a lot of stupid things about people based on their uh their bodies yeah. <laughs> i think odell, exactly odell understands that yeah odell knows that for sure well we're getting near the end here and lena we always ask our our guest uh, how do you find common ground so you're going to be meeting people that are a lot particularly in Oman. how are you going to find yeah. common ground i think finding common ground especially well, I think in Jordan versus on my program are kind of, I would say, different things. I think on my program, it's by holding space for others um, and listening. Um, that's how we find common ground um, when we're talking about such sensitive personal issues. I think in Amman, it's going to be really interesting. Um, I'm not going to be able to share everything about myself. Um that maybe I would normally share with people in Israel or in the United States. So I think, and it's also coming as a woman versus as a man is also has something to do with it. Um, So I think, I think, you know, sharing, sharing like things that, I don't know, people can relate to. I think that that's giving people what, giving people what I think they'll, they'll in, not enjoy hearing. I don't know. I'd like, I really, relate to something yeah. that they could relate to. Yeah. Cause I know I'm not going to be able to share everything about myself, but just sharing like a couple things and listening and trying to grab onto um, the things that I can relate to from, from them. Well, I can tell you something, how you can find common ground. Tell them you know Bill and Odell from the common ground. Yeah. Show. There you go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, Odell? Right, right, right. <laughs> Lena, what's your major? What's your major? Um, I'm studying public health. So this is like very different. And it's an experience that I chose to have not as part of really my academic studies. I think it'll inform heavily my academic studies, but I kind of wanted to do this for the sake of my own personal growth. You know, we didn't think, and I'll say this real quickly, when I grew up in public housing, public house, public health was going to the clinic. Um, and I always despised that because we didn't have any money. We were so poor. And you would go to the clinic and you would sit there all day. Now, this, now the health care there was good, but it wasn't great. Now, I revisited public health a couple of years ago when this thing called COVID-19 showed up. Mm. And it was the health departments and the government who got involved that really took the lead on all this. So my whole thought process on public health has changed. I wish you the best in whatever you do. Uh, Is there anything we could do to help? Let us know. Uh, Listen, you are an amazing young lady and you're going to do fine in life. You're going to do fine in life. We already (laughs) know that. And I'm sure you know that also. Yeah. 
Thank you so much. And I hope that, you know, I'll be able to share my experiences with y'all midway and after this experience. And I'm excited. Well, Lena, you've been the, uh, uh, a darling guest and, uh, one of our best guests, if not the best. And, uh, well, he, he does okay, but uh, the rabbi does okay, but we got to help him out every now and then. You just you just run with it. I come as an adult. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. You make a good team. You make yeah. a good team. I'm just the driver. Yeah. <laughs> for now. <laughs> good. Well, thank you for being on our podcast. We look forward to uh, continuing this. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Find Bill and Odell online at thecommonground.show. This podcast is a production of BG Ad Group. Darren Sutherland, Executive Producer. Doug Harding, Creative Director. Jacob Sutherland, Director. Producers Jason Gentarola and Matt Golden. And Jinrei Zhang, Video Producer. All rights reserved. This podcast is brought to you by Yes Weekly, the triad's largest circulated and best read weekly magazine. You can also find us online at yesweekly.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Yes Weekly your trusted news leader for local arts, entertainment, music, food, and more for nearly 18 years. Whether you're a big, medium, or small business, managing and growing the bottom line is important. Focus CFO brings the experience and financial acumen of a Fortune 100 chief financial officer to your company at a fraction of the cost. PL help, internal reporting processes, or any business transitions or events. Focus CFO will help you and your team have a CFO in your company's back pocket. Focus CFO. Learn more at focuscfo.com.